Hello and welcome back to the Talking Leadership Podcast. Thank you for joining me again. Today, my guest is the founder of the Leadership Project. Can I welcome to the podcast, Mick Spears? How are you, mate? Yeah, great. Thanks, Eric. It's a great pleasure to be here. Looking forward to an excellent discussion with you. And I'm certain that your audience is going to get some value out of it today. Excellent. Look, uh, I thank you, one, for your time and two, for the um, the ability to have this discussion. So I, I typically with this podcast we'll go into the detail of your leadership pathway and we'll get to that in 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 a little bit but given your experiences in that leadership space i've got some fundamental questions to ask you the first of which being how do you find how do you define leadership yeah so the, the simple statement is that a leader is someone that can inspire people into meaningful action around a worthy cause now, we can expand on that. If you'd like me to keep on going, I can expand on what all that means. It, it's about someone that's able to articulate with deep clarity their vision, their purpose, the meaning of what they do, to be able to paint a horizon of a world that they see that maybe other people that do not see. Someone that's able to articulate their values and beliefs with clarity and lives by those values and beliefs. And when someone is able to do that, they start to surround themselves with people that believe in the things that they believe and people that will work with their heart and soul and not just for a paycheck. So a leader inspires people into meaningful action around a worthy cause. The next step is critical. They then create an environment where those incredibly talented people that they surround themselves with can flourish. They don't bring them in and tell them what they do. They, they bring in these talented people and create an environment where everyone has purpose and meaning in what they do, where their voices are heard, their opinions are valued, and where they individually and collectively feel like they matter. They take the time to set that environment. They realize that it's not about them. It's about the environment that they set. It's like planting seeds and creating this vision of an incredible tree, but then nurturing the environment so that the tree can grow. And that tree growing is those people in the organization that believe in the vision, that have the common values and beliefs and will do anything for the success of that mission and vision a definition that focuses on people and creating a space for them to be productive and find some value and also be inspired are the things that you're talking about and that that makes a lot of sense to me now again in talking to you about this topic area there are a lot of challenges that are facing leaders at the moment not least of which is a move away from the worst impacts of COVID in terms of mobility and business not being able to run in the way that it used to pre-COVID. But I've been hearing, and I don't necessarily agree with this, that some people want to just put COVID in the rearview mirror and that's it. It's done and now almost sort of back to business as normal. And I think that potentially misses the point that there's been some stuff learnt through the pandemic around leadership and the infrastructure around work, whether it's work from home, hybrid, whatever it is that you can still be productive and don't necessarily have to be in that four wall scenario that you have to be in an office to be a productive individual. So my question is probably twofold is what are you seeing in that space as potential challenges? And what are you seeing in that space in terms of potential opportunities? Yeah, really good question, Eric. So the first thing I'm going to say is that COVID shone a light on a new way of doing things. It also showed us that human beings in the workforce are more resilient than we ever gave them credit for. So there's a lot of people pre-COVID that would have sworn that work from home is is not uh, not feasible. You don't get the collaboration. 
you know, there's too much social fabric missing. It just doesn't work. You can't trust people to work at home, all kinds of things that would come out of people's mouths. But we proved during this period in many companies that we are more resilient and we are stronger than anyone thought. And in some cases, I'm going to say productivity even increased because people were not commuting, uh, sitting in traffic all day, all, all kinds of reasons. There were reasons why productivity increased in many companies. So what we need to do now is stop and go, instead of going, ah, oh, COVID's over, it's done, now let's get back to normal, we need to go, what did we actually learn? And is there an emerging property that we learned from this resilience, from this approach that we can create richer environments and richer companies and richer organizations going forward? And I've got to tell it how I see it. We're seeing this great resignation. We, see, we call it the great realization, call it great protest, whatever you want to call it. People are voting with their feet around this topic because they've seen the light of a different way of working. And guess what? They liked it. And guess what? They were productive. And they did a lot of amazing work during that period. Now what we're seeing is a bunch of organizations that I believe are making big mistakes. We're seeing organizations that are saying things like, right, we're going to get back to work. Just that word, people are going, are you kidding me? Are you telling me that we haven't been working our butts off for the last two years? It's, it's insulting from the, from the outset. I think you're talking to something, sorry for interrupting, but I think this is worth mentioning that the assumption that you can only be productive on a site in an office is quite frankly, bullshit. It's not the case. And like you said, it's been proven in some industries, you can't, you can't do this. You couldn't expect a doctor to work from home and be the best practitioner that they can be, even though there's telehealth, you need a doctor to be face-to-face with patients optimally. But in occupations like, for example, white collar occupations where you can be working from home, exactly what you said, you can demonstrate productivity and leaders that say, well, now we're getting back to work is a complete misread of the angst that people have gone through, the stress people have gone through and a realization for the people that these leaders don't give a crap about me. So why should I give a crap about the organization that I'm in? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, there is a loyalty uh, imbalance as well that comes along with that, at least a perception of that loyalty imbalance. I think in some cases it's real, in other cases, just people aren't feeling very loved right now uh, with some of the words that are coming out of people's mouths. And everyone wants to feel that they, they want to feel love and belonging, they want to feel like they matter, they want to be treated with respect. And so they're calling out and they're saying, well, no, I, I don't necessarily want to go back to the way it was, I want to work out what, what can we take from the lessons that we've learned in the last two years and create a better version of what we used to have? Not, not go back to what we used to have. How can we blend this together and learn what we've learned in the last two years for positivity? And I can tell you right now that the organizations that are insisting, no, we're going back to exactly how it was before versus the organizations that are learning and going, yeah, what did we learn in the last two years? And how can we convert this adversity into opportunity they're the ones that are going to flourish. In 10 years from now, it'll be the companies that took the time right now immediately to listen to their staff, to give their teams purpose and meaning, to give them a voice, to listen to their opinions and to respond to that. They're the ones that are going to flourish in the next decade, Eric. I can't disagree with that. I guess it's an industry by industry case and business businesses will do what they need to do to deal with this. And again, I'm, I'm not, so this, this discussion is definitely not catastrophizing what happened through COVID from a, from a public health point of view, you know, that 
issue is very different to the work issue. However, people spend a lot of time at work. A, a good chunk of your day, a good chunk of your year is spent away from family at work. And as much as that was the, the compact, the agreement that was made pre-COVID, I think one of the things that have been thrown up is if I can get a work-life balance where I could work from home, deliver and be productive and be at home and be with my family and not have to go back to a traditional model of working, I would have thought that's an absolute gimme to organizations and to leaders because you're going to create a loyalty factor amongst your people that may not have been there beforehand. Now, you know, I think, I think, and I definitely want to get your view on this, breaking that culture amongst leaders as to what the workplace looks like or should look like is a difficult thing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it does take some time. It takes some reflection. It takes some uh, looking at it from a few different lenses. That's probably one thing that's missing. Challenge your own limiting beliefs. What the things that you believe to be true that, okay, this, the only way that you can possibly do this activity is this way. Challenge that belief and question it. Okay. Well, hang on a second. What did we do for the last two years? We somehow made it work. Have a look at that again. And what, is there a now a better way? When there is not as much of a health crisis now at the moment, and touch wood that we don't go into, into more surges of that, what can we do that gets the best of both worlds? That's what's going to happen here. And the ability, you spoke before we started recording about the ability to pivot. That's a great leadership attribute right now is to be able to pivot and pick and choose and go, okay, I like this. This is working. This here. Oh, no, actually, let's challenge that. Let's not just do it the way we've always done it because there are different ways. So take a step back, have a look without your own internal prejudice or bias. Look at the situation again and be open to new ideas and new concepts. And then you're going to create an environment where your team feel like they can share with you, hey, boss, what if we tried it this way? Or can we do it this way? Everyone, you're paying these people a good chunk of money for their intellectual power. Listen to them. Listen to them. Everyone in an organization has got ideas about the way things could be done better. So give them a voice and listen to their opinions. If I had to put it under one banner, it's common sense, but common sense doesn't really fly in, in the uh, organizational context. It's not as common as it should be. And look, I, I, I'm... Getting into the weeds of this a little bit around the leader, and I, I, th- I think this is an important question to ask you, is do you think there's a degree of burnout from leaders given what's happened that potentially worlds have been flipped on their heads and that you may have received all the training in the world to, to, to be a, a key leader in an industry and then suddenly the way that industry operates is not what it used to be? Is that Do you think that's presented challenges to the way leaders view their roles or is it that some of our leaders, and I'm, I'm talking cross-sectorally here, don't have potentially the, the tools in the toolkit to deal with ambiguity and the need to deal with complexity. That, that And we discussed this offline, that ability to deal with change and the capability to deal with complex situations. These are things I think leaders are going to need more of in the future, not less. Yeah, good question. Uh, That might take me a while to answer, but I'm going to go for it. There's all kinds of things that lead to that burnout, but I'm going to start with the last one that you said, and that is that we are living in an ever-changing world. There's a new curveball every week, every month, every quarter, something comes at us, and we've had to be very resilient. We've had to be very nimble and agile. We've had to be able to deal with that as leaders, help our teams pivot, 
help our teams adapt. That's very true. And it, it requires a certain cognitive skill, but it also requires a bit of discipline not to get too much, I'm going to say, into the weeds. And that's what happens where, where the burnout happens. They start trying to solve every single problem. Whereas if they took a little bit more of a first principles, look at the thing and go, right, what are we actually trying to achieve here? What is our end goal? And of all of these things that are happening around us, which of them actually have substance towards that goal? Which one knocks us off course and which one actually, you know what, that's just noise. Just let it go. Next question, which ones are in our control and which ones are not in our control? And for the ones that are not in our control, you need to be aware of them and observe them, but you can't stress about them because stressing about it's not going to change it. The only thing you can change are the things that are in your control. So if a leader is able to break down that complexity of everything that's happening in their head and everything that's around them, get out of the weeds, have a look at the North Star of what they're actually trying to achieve and think about what is really material towards getting to where you're trying to go. It, uh, and then think about what you can control and what you can't control. You're going to then take a lot of stress off you that you don't have to make every single decision. Some things just, li- uh, sorry, this is going to be an Australianism or anyone that will, uh, from cricket watching nations are going to get it. Forgive me for those not, not in cricket watching us. Some things you just got to let it go through to the keeper. Just let it go through to the keeper. All right. The, the other things with the burnout, two things that were quite challenging during COVID and remain this way the blurring of boundaries. With the work from home environment, the workday bled into the night, into the early hours of the morning. We did see a blurring of boundaries and Olympic athletes will tell you, you cannot perform at peak performance 24 hours a day. And we lost a bit of our boundaries and we let it happen too. Like we've got to take a bit of blame ourselves here. We allowed that situation to happen, but boundaries bled badly in the last two years. And the third one I want to bring up is empathic concern. Empathy is a wonderful thing, Eric, and particularly cognitive empathy and emotional empathy. So being able to look at a situation, let's say you've got a a staff member that's going through some particular challenges or whatever. Cognitive empathy is to be able to look at what they're seeing and understand their perspective. Doesn't mean you have to agree, but you understand the way they're thinking and their, their perspective and how they reach a conclusion or a, a perspective that they're sharing with you. Emotional empathy is to understand the emotions that they're going through and then having a look at it and go, well, yeah, I get it. I can see why they're frustrated right now. I can see why they're sad. I can see why they're this, etc. So emotional empathy to be able to really get inside with them and in some cases feel the emotion. I'll, I'll get onto that in a moment, but at least recognize the emotion that it has been an emotional two years. Where the burnout can come in is empathic concern. Empathic concern is when you want to fix everyone's problems for them. So the leader becomes the person who everyone is coming to and going, oh, boss, 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 this, 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 and this. And the boss is taking that weight off their shoulders. But before you know it, the leader is the one that's walking around with the world, the weight of the world on their shoulders. And they're weighed down and they start getting the burnout from that. So that'll be the three things is over, over like the complex world and all of the stimulus that's coming in and trying to fix everything. Yep. The, the element around the bleeding of boundaries and the element of the empathic concern where you want to fix everyone's problems for them. 
raised a couple of new issues that I, I hadn't considered that the bleeding of boundaries that that was always an issue even before COVID where this idea that once you clock off you don't check emails after 5 p.m on your way home you don't have your email connected to your damn mobile which I used to do which I don't anymore because it dings every time you get a new email like when do you switch that off and I I get from an employee's perspective you don't want to be harassed that way but as a leader I don't, so I'll have to be careful how I word this because I don't condone it, but I can understand with CEOs and, and even entrepreneurs that you're, you're part of a success factor is being, being able to be reached and being able to be on top of everything. And that's unfortunate. Unfortunately, part of that is being connected to people and that typically happens with a phone or through email. So where, where, that, where that boundary is, I don't know. And I guess... And you touched on this a few times. I think the the boundary setting is if you the the standard you set as a leader is the standard other people will follow. So if you are up till two in the morning answering emails, you can bet your most loyal staff will be doing the same shit. And you don't want that to be an ongoing thing because that will burn them out. And the day you get into a difficulty with your star performers, they'll say, "Well, look at all the stuff that I do outside of work hours. Isn't that like that?" It becomes then a potential potential thing to be used against you when that's not necessarily the right thing to do or it shouldn't be the case because people sending an email at ridiculous times of the morning or night suggests that they, they can't let go of their work obligations and that 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 is a, a way uh, that's a signal to me at least that whoever that individual is in any organization is not very good at creating their own boundaries for their own mental health too because you've got to have some downtime that's not absolutely not work and, and, you know, I get uh, high-performing alpha males and females that it's all about work and these are the most successful people on the planet. But if you check the health status or other things around stress and other things, probably not the best of conditions, but that doesn't matter to them because the drive is to be constantly on. So I, I, I get that. Look, um, we could go a hundred different places with this, but from a practical perspective, what would you say as a, an expert in this leadership space someone who's constantly learning and talking to people, what would you say about the toolkit that leaders will need going forward? So if you had to add some capabilities, some skill sets in a leader toolkit, what what might that list look like? Yeah, it's, it's quite long, but let, let me go with the major ones. It does start with communication. It starts with the ability to articulate that vision that I was talking about, articulate your values and beliefs. It then gets to integrity and authenticity to be able to show up each day and live by those values and beliefs and to believe in the mission that you're on in a way where you're showing up as your authentic self. And then in doing so, you're encouraging others that it's also safe for them to show up as their authentic self. The next one is also communication, but it's about listening. And it's about active listening and deep listening to really understand who your team are, what makes them tick, to understand their preferences and to treat them the way that they want to be treated, not, not the way you want to be treated, Take the time to get to know your team and treat them the way that they want to be treated. Um, humility, the ability to admit your mistakes, because here's a shocking surprise for you, Eric. They already know. They already know your shortcomings. They already know your mistakes. They already know what you're good at. They know what you're not so good at. So being very open and vulnerable about your strengths and your weaknesses gives them this big sigh of relief. Ah, oh, oh. The boss knows. The boss knows that they're not good at this. They know what they are good at, but they also know what they're not good at. And it gives them a huge sigh of relief and it builds trust 
because you're being very open and, and transparent with them. And once again, it encourages them to do so as well. Emotional intelligence, to be able to perceive your own emotions and perceive the emotion of others. And this could be uh, seven podcasts in its, in its own, Eric, but I'll just give the, the key ones. The ability to be self-aware of your own emotions, to be able to regulate your emotions, not control or suppress, regulate your emotions. So understand what that emotion is. Understand what that emotion is telling you. I'm talking about your own emotions. You do not want to be in a situation where everyone is walking around the physical or virtual office asking, oh, is the boss in a good mood today? All right. So you need to be regulating your emotions and getting your emotions to work for you, not against you. And then it turns to others, being able to perceive the emotion of others and to be able to treat them with empathy, to be able to treat them with respect and build amazing relationships with them. Leadership is all about how you relate to other human beings. And if you can work on your emotional intelligence, you're going to go a long way. Always remember as a leader, you only have 24 hours in the day, just like everyone else. And hopefully you're not using all of those 24, but you are only given the gift of time every day, just like everyone else. So if you truly want to multiply your impact on the world, it's going to be through other people. My favorite quote, Eric, is an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And the leader's ability to do that is to articulate that vision, articulate those values and beliefs to be able to understand their team, what makes them tick. In fact, even helping your team understand their own superpowers. Sometimes they don't know their own strengths. So you're creating the environment where they can see their own purpose and meaning and see that they matter and giving them an environment where they will do things beyond your wildest dreams because you inspired them to do so, not because you told them to. How is that? Uh, that's probably the shortest version of uh, that. Mate, that. That's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. It, it's uh, it's an interesting list, and it's definitely a people focused thing. And and this is again about the core of what the leadership process is. It's about and so having those skill sets that you talked about, emotional intelligence, um, being able to communicate. Um, yeah, I, I think that that brings that all together. And uh, again, to our discussion before the podcast around. What I'm looking at in capabilities, I think that puzzle has some of those elements there that sort of fit together. I, I think anyone can work on being more empathetic. There's ways to understand how to read a room, read the people that you're with, understand other human beings. I think other than diagnosable conditions like narcissism or socio being a sociopath people understand what empathy is people understand that you can't go too far one way or the other so not being empathetic and just being a cold leader without any understanding of of the environment that your people are in is not going to work but being the the fixer for everyone in your team is not going to work either because it there's i've been a big believer in it has to be a few degrees of separation there that you're dealing with adults and adults um, have to do some things on their own and yes you can be there to be a sounding board potentially provide some assistance but you can't find the answer for people and i think that it's a human it's a human failing i think we all have we want to be able to fix the problem and that's not necessarily what somebody needs they may need counseling they may need training they may need all sorts of things that you're not uh, equipped to provide them so again this idea of knowing what your limitations are is not a bad thing because that makes you better at the process of leadership. Because if you can surround yourselves with people that fill those deficits, those gaps, 
you're going to be a more productive team. And I, I hear that a lot from entrepreneurs that I've spoken to that they'll say, yeah, I'm an ideas guy. I don't do the detail stuff. I, if I had to do that myself, I would fail in business every time. That's why I've got X person to do the daily operational, the things that I can't do because I'm just no good at it. And finding and admitting that you've got those limitations, I think, is a mark of a, wouldn't say self-actualized, but someone who's on the road to understanding what they're about. And I think that's always a, a lifelong thing in leadership and in other walks of life that if you can realize where you're at and freely admit that you've got some limitations. I think that's a good thing. Now, all that said, we've all met leaders that have none of these things and are very command and control and they'll never be any different. And those people exist and they're still out there. And the the utopian leader in organizations is not what is the common, I don't think that's the common thread. I think there's some people that still believe that uh, people are lucky to have jobs and they should just comply. And that, that I think that's a reality of the workplace. I, I, I don't think I'm talking out of school when I say that. I don't think you are either. And I want to go into that a little bit more. Unfortunately, some of those alpha style leaders are celebrated in our society. They're put on a pedestal. Wow, aren't they amazing? But the reality is they're succeeding at the expense of people, not through people. They're using people as a commodity, as a means to an end because they believe that they are more important and their vision is more important than treating someone with due respect. But I believe that those days are numbered. I don't know, can't put a time on it, but sometime in my lifetime, I'm not that old yet, I guess I'm getting older, but I've, I feel in my time, the alpha style leader will be yesterday's news and we will see an emergence of people that really get it. And the one I want to talk about, you kind of said it in the, in the, opposite sense so i'm going to reinforce it in the in the sense of the way i would say it which is when you embrace leadership and an influential mindset where you're inspiring people into meaningful action around that worthy cause they're going to work with all of their heart and soul towards the cause right when you're doing the opposite and you're just telling people what to do they're going to do the bare minimum to make sure you don't fire them that's what it is that's and they're going to be stressed out the whole time do you want someone turning up to the virtual workforce or the physical workforce with what I call heavy leg syndrome? That's where they get to the bottom of the stairs and they start finding it difficult to lift their, stick, their, their legs up the stairs because they, they're not even sure if they want to be there anymore. They don't feel like they belong. They're getting treated like dirt every second day. Do you want that person that's going to come along and go, yep, I did my 40 hours or 60 hours, but really I just did what I had to do to remove as much stress from my life as I could and, and to just get on? Or do you want someone who believes in the cause and will do anything for the cause? Which one is going to be more productive? Which one is going to be more efficient? I've unfortunately been that uh, the person who's turned up for a job, not just not wanting to be there, like my mind would check out. So I, I, had, I had an experience in my younger days where as soon as I got to the building, I could feel my stress levels coming up, almost choking me, get up to my desk. And when I'd leave the building, it's as if a weight fell away from my shoulders and um I ended up going to see a, a, a GP about this and sort of asked a question. I think I'm feeling a bit stressed at work. And he asked me to describe what was happening and he took my blood pressure. And he said, look, you, 
you're fine here. What what do you think's going on? I said, when I go into the building, and then he sort of propped up, he said, well, how are you feeling? And when I described it to him, he said, look, without knowing your place of work, and I can't um, prescribe any ill intent to your, your leader, your manager or whatever, but are you actually happy where you are? And that was the first time ever that I'd spoken to someone a GP about work. He said, maybe you need to be doing something else. And I was floored. I was like, oh shit, maybe you know, I should be. And it's the only time in my career that that's happened, but I, and it, it wasn't, there was no consistent bullying. There was no issues. I just wasn't the right fit for where I was at. And I'm glad that I, I left on, on good terms from that organization. But I'm looking back on it. I thought this was me in a bland kind of thing where I didn't like where I was and my body was telling me, maybe you don't need to be here. But there are people that are going to bad places of business where they're being treated poorly all the time. And that I know that that has mental health and physical health ramifications. I've, I've done some podcasting around the toxic workplace, and that's not a good place to be either. And that costs businesses money. It, it robs people of dignity in, in work. And it also undermines leaders that may not know that they're doing the wrong thing or may be employing leaders under them that are not good at their job. And yeah. th- this um, probably the last question to ask you here, and look, I, I think we'll continue this in another podcast, mate, But because I, I, I don't, don't want to take up hours of your time here, but definitely want to ask you this, that in that world of work where you're potentially many degrees removed from the people that are at the coalface of dealing with clients or the community or, or other people, do you think that, let's say you're CEO and you've got managers underneath you, that as a CEO, you may not have the time to understand your staff issues because you just don't have the time to engage with your staff? And should that become more practice with CEOs that you get in on the coalface and get to those people that are at, at ground zero rather than being removed and having people under you tell you what's going on? I want to touch on something you said a moment ago first, and then I'm going to lead to that answer if that's okay so you you spoke about the toxic environments to give a little bit of compassion here for a moment with a few notable exceptions bosses do not turn up to work going okay i'm going to be the worst boss in the world today they don't do it in fact many of these very horrible bosses think they're amazing at their job but no one has ever actually put up a mirror in front of them and shown them any kind of self-awareness of where they're going wrong right so give them a little bit of leeway And then what happens uh, when, let's say, a first-time leader goes into a leadership role, always keep this in mind. No one actually shows them what it means to be a leader. So their only reference point is to look around at the leaders that they've had before them. And that's a very hit and miss affair. If they're lucky enough to have had a good boss, they might learn some good behaviors. But if they've learnt, oh, the boss's job is to be a jerk and to tell people what to do and boss people around they're going to mimic that behavior. So a little bit of compassion. This is unfortunate that it's happened, but we do need to break it. But people were not shown a different way, right? So just a little bit of compassion there. In terms of the boss, the CEO, getting in touch with what's really happening on the shop floor, we're missing that in many businesses as well. People used to do factory walks, right? So think about industrial revolution, CEOs used to walk around the factory floor and ask people, ah, oh, what's going on here? And uh, do you need anything? And uh, how are you feeling today? And what's working? What's not working? I don't think that happens as much anymore. And it's, and it's in a cloak of busyness, like you said. I'm too busy to be able to do that. I'm going to say that if you don't want to 
if you want to keep on having the revolving door that's happening at the moment with people leaving in droves, well, I'm going to say that you don't have time not to. You must, you must do it. Yeah, you may not know you've got bad practice because you may not have had a reference point to do anything different. And I I don't subscribe to and never have that people in leadership positions, whatever they might be, whether it's in the for-profit world or not-for-profit world, are going to make people's lives miserable. But if you've not had good mentors or good um, almost examples of what good leadership looks like, then you're at the mercy of what what's in the environment that you're in. And the idea that a lot of leaders have never had the mirror put in front of them to look at what what they're doing, what their practice is, I think that that, you know, that there's all sorts of um issues there about whether people do want that done. But the thing that strikes me as interesting when you said that was You've got to have uh, a degree of um, confidence and an ability to let go of ego to allow that to happen. And I I think it's not intrinsically human nature to have someone um, help you to guide your way through to just what kind of leader are you? Because you may not want to hear what that feedback looks like. And, um, you know, I I think now... um, I think we're around the same age bracket, so in our in our fifties or, or late forties, and I have learned some things through a career, and I'm more happy now for people to tell me where the hell I've gone wrong, and I'll, I'll learn from that because I I don't want to make people's day shitty. I just want to get some stuff done, and if I can be helpful in any way, I want to be because I, I you know life is too short to be worried about this stuff, but. On the come up when I was younger, I, you couldn't tell me I was doing things wrong. Like you don't want to hear that. And I, I think there's a human element here and, and you've made that point through the podcast that you've got to allow for the possibility that people don't know any better and ability to learn from that and to be uh, self-reflective and to be a lifelong learner that maybe at some point it would be good if you stopped and said, hey, am I any good at this? And how do you find out one way or another? Because I think the difficulty, um, and I, I think you'd agree with me here, is that getting your your subordinates to give you a really fearless and frank overview of your leadership style, it's going to be difficult to do because who wants to tell the boss yeah. to their face and not quite up to mustard i would find it very difficult i'd love to cover this one a little bit uh for a while eric i I know we've been going for a while but this one's a really key one everyone has got blind spots everyone has got blind spots empower someone at least one person empower them to show you what yours are okay now it requires psychological safety it means that you're going to have to listen to them without judgment you're going to have to listen to them without retribution. You're going to have to listen to them with an open mind and an open heart and an open will. But empower at least one person that you trust to show you what your blind spots are. Because without self-awareness, you can't do anything about it. If it's a really detrimental thing that you need to fix, you need to know what it is first. Here's another tip. You may not even have to fix it, but you do need to be aware of it. So if you've got a weak spot, a blind spot, and it's brought to your attention you can bring other people around you that have complementary skills that you don't have to accommodate for the thing that you're not good at. And you can focus on the thing that you are amazing on. Every single person on this planet has got their own superpower, but we also have our kryptonite. Let someone show you what your kryptonite is and then do something about it, whether it's fix it yourself or complementary skills from, from another human being that helps you cover that kryptonite whilst you bring your superpower to the table and what you're good at. I'm going to add one more tip and hopefully everyone in the audience is going to find this very powerful. When that person that you've just empowered helps you to see that blind spot, it actually doesn't matter if you agree or not. 
like so they might tell you something and you go what what are you talking no that's not me or oh i'm so sorry i never intended it that way none of that matters the only thing that matters is that it was perceived and that perception is reality so if you went into a meeting and you behaved in a way that you thought was amazing and then your confidant that's pulling you aside and saying hey boss in that meeting when you said xyz you know the team all felt like blah 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 it doesn't matter whether you're intended or not doesn't matter whether you agree or not what matters is your team felt blah 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 do something about it mick thank you for your time mate this has been brilliant and i I do hope i can reach out again to keep talking to you about this because there's a lot of topics we covered that we could go and do a significantly deeper dive so would love to do that but before i go can you run us through what the leadership project is about before we sign off Yeah, sure. So I I started with the leadership project with a vision to inspire all leaders to challenge the status quo, to get us to stop and reflect and rethink what it means to be a leader in the modern world. Somewhere along the line, we we turned left when we should have turned right. And the level of engagement that we have in the world is, is at all time lows. So that's what it's all about. Our mission is to empower leaders with all the knowledge and skills that they need to create amazing teams and amazing workspaces workspaces where everyone has purpose and meaning in what they do, where voices are heard and opinions valued, and where everyone feels that they individually and collectively matter. How that then comes to four is I have my own podcast, of course, the Leadership Project podcast. I write my books. My uh, latest book, You're a Leader Now What, is, is out now, and it's designed for that first-time leader that no one has shown them what it means to be a leader. And then on the business side, we, uh, we run transformative leadership development programs. So our gateway to high-performance leadership is our flagship program, an eight-week transformative program that we take leaders through. We have our coaching services, uh, one-on-one executive and leadership coaching, and we do high-performance team workshops for organizations that are looking to take their uh, their teams to the next level. And you can find the details of all of that at www.mixbeers.com. Yeah. Yeah, no worries, Mick. I'll, I'll put the uh, the detail in the podcast description because um, I want people to have a look and, and go in and see what it is that you're doing. So Mick Spears, thank you for your time, mate. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Eric, and have a great day. No worries. For those listening, this has been Talking Leadership. Keep safe and we'll catch everyone on the next podcast.